Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says, uh, every word that God releases will accomplish its task. It will accomplish its purpose. It will accomplish the assignment for which it was sent for. Amen. So every word, every word of God that is released uh, will accomplish its task. It will not go void. Amen. The beginning of this year, uh, the Lord spoke to me while I was sleeping. I heard this very clearly. And he said, you have stepped into the overflowing anointing. Uh, the overflowing anointing. Overflow is an anointing. It's an anointing that you can tap into. If you remember Psalms 23 verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The cup overflows is because you've been anointed with the anointing of overflowing. It's the anointing and overflow that lets your cup to overflow. Now, I want you to understand what an overflowing anointing is. An overflowing anointing is, just imagine with me, if you step into somebody's house and the husband and wife just had a fight and you stepped into their house, you know, because they're not talking to each other, it's a little awkward. The, the atmosphere is awkward. The atmosphere there has, there's a lot of hostility in the atmosphere. There's a lot of chaos in the atmosphere. And it is quite possible that whatever is there in the atmosphere can rub on your hearts. And you can leave that place by being hostile, feeling chaotic, feeling chaotic, and feeling confused. It's quite possible. Or another example would be, you know, you're full of chaos, you're full of anxiety, and you step into a church, and the atmosphere over there is the atmosphere of peace, the atmosphere of joy, and it changes you completely. So, the atmosphere that you step into has a power to influence your soul, has a power to influence your mind, has a power to influence your heart. Now, you know, there are a lot of times you might be talking to people and you realize that you're so hurt, you're so broken, and you're thinking, what happened? Nothing in the conversation hurt me. Nothing in the conversation offended me. But I feel so hurt. I feel so offended. I feel so angry. That's because the atmosphere that you stepped into. And if you understand, there are also territorial atmospheres. Territorial, meaning there's some territorial spirits that have the power to influence an entire territory with an atmosphere that as long as you step into that territory, the atmosphere influences your heart. You go to some places and you feel a certain way. You go to some places, you, you think a certain way. That's why different territories have different mindsets. You know, for example, I don't like going to the mountains for a very long time. Meaning, I'm okay going for vacation, but I can't stay in the mountains. You know why? Because the life is so slow. If, if you're not aware, people usually in the mountains, you know, they wake up late and, you know, life is very slow. You know, it's very chill. And they have time to 
converse with the neighbor, talking about the neighbor. Everybody just knows, you know, life is just very slow. And that's not the kind of life that I can live, you know. I love fast-paced. Oh, man, I love the city life. But what I'm trying to say is every territory has an atmosphere and that atmosphere somewhere gets to define your mindset and gets to define your heart's condition. You'll get this if you're from a village, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. You know, there's a particular mindset and then when you move into a city, the whole mindset changes. People are always rushing. People have no time. I heard this, uh, this statement. In Delhi, everybody is rushing, but nobody makes on time. You know? It's like, you're always going from one, one meeting to another, from one assignment to another. So, territory plays, plays a huge role in the atmosphere that is, and, and sometimes... Not sometimes, most times we get influenced by the atmosphere that we are in. The overflowing anointing is that no matter what the atmosphere is, if you're operating in the anointing of the overflow, the moment you step into the atmosphere, you begin to influence the atmosphere. The anointing of overflow is the moment... Light steps into darkness, there is no darkness. Light cannot overwhelm darkness. That's the overflow anointing, the anointing of overflow. You can step into places that has been chaotic, that has, li has been living in hostility, violence, you can step into those places with this anointing and the atmosphere can completely shift. Completely shift. Amen? That is because greater is the one who is in you than who is in the world. The overflow anointing is because of the Holy Spirit. So, the, so David says in Psalms 23 verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. Oil is the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, there were three kinds of people who were anointed. Kings, priests, prophets. They were anointed to, to declare to the nation of Israel that they had been set apart for God's work. Kings were there to govern Prophets were there to provide guidance and priests were there for worship. So all of these three were set apart for God's work and they were representing God in the flesh. So the overflowing anointing is because of the Spirit of God that is overflowing. It's not because of our character. It's not because of our personality. It's not because of you know how skillful we are. It is because of the Holy Spirit that is overflowing that can overflow in and through you so much that it can overwhelm entire atmospheres, entire territories. You know, there are territorial spirits that govern territories. The overflowing anointing is the only anointing that can break these powers and these principalities. That's why Paul said, we do not fight against 
flesh and blood. Yes, I know that you're facing persecution. I know that people are coming against you. Yeah, it seems that the people who make the laws are coming against you, but you're not fighting flesh and blood. There are spiritual forces in play over here. And if you don't tackle them spiritually, you will always be, you know, you'll always be short-sighted. So the overflowing anointing happens because of the overflowing spirit that is in you. In you. See, the Holy Spirit, when He deals with people, He engages with people in three levels. The first one is the Holy Spirit with you. If you want, you can write it down. The Holy Spirit with you. When, when does he engage with people in this level? That is when people don't know Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 8 and 10. If you read, Jesus said, I'll send the comforter who will convict you of sin. Not sins. We think Holy Spirit has, has the job of convicting us of every sin. He only convicts us of sin, one sin. What's that one sin? The sin of unbelief. The sin of not believing in Jesus. You guys are looking at me as if I'm making this on my own. So let me show you this verse. John chapter 16, verse 8. Sorry, those were not on my notes. So media guys, are you ready? John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, who comes? The Holy Spirit. Okay? When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So he'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now next verse. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin to only those who do not believe in Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will not convict you of sin. Because the only sin that he convicts you of is the sin of unbelief in Jesus. And then he says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. See, look at how he's talking, okay? This is the world. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in Jesus. Concerning righteousness, because I will go to the Father and you will see me no more. So the Holy Spirit that you have received is convicting you of righteousness. Why is he convicting you of righteousness? You need righteousness, especially when you have messed up. You need to be reminded of righteousness, especially when you are fallen, when you have messed up. Because that is when the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, get up, Alvin. I understand that you've gone through all of this. I understand that you messed up, but the blood of Jesus has set you free from all sins. He, the blood of Jesus has paid for your consequence of that sin, has forgiven you completely. So get up, walk in righteousness. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? Pointing you towards Jesus. Even with concerning sin, he's pointing you towards Jesus. Now then he says, verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. So he's not convicting you of judgment. 
There are three kinds of people in the world and Jesus is speaking to these three kinds of people, unbelievers, believers, and the devil. To the unbelievers, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. To the believers, he convicts you of righteousness. And to the devil, the Holy Spirit convicts him of judgment. So the Holy Spirit engages with you concerning sin of unbelief. So if you do not believe in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit engages with you. But the day you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit does not engage with you. He engages in you. He comes inside of you. Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14. When you heard the gospel and you believed in the gospel, you received the seal of the Holy Spirit that is in you. So you move from Holy Spirit being with you, convicting you of your sin. You move from that level into the Holy Spirit being in you. So the Holy Spirit is within you. If you have believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within you. There's another level where you can experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit that is within you can overflow from within your spirit into your soul, into your mind, into your heart, overflowing throughout your body that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So every believer, the day you receive the gospel, you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your spirit. It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. You and I, you and the Holy Spirit has become one. The potential of that Holy Spirit is to not just overflow in your mind, not just overflow in your heart. It can overflow to a point that it can take over your physical body. And that is when we say the Holy Spirit is upon you. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon these prophets but they would not stay for, for a long time. They would come and they would go. They would come and they would go. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was not in them. So they would come and go for a particular season. And they would come and go till the task was accomplished. As soon as the task was accomplished, it would go. But because you have the Holy Spirit within you, the, you have the capacity to overflow in the overtaking flow of the Holy Spirit that is upon you at all times. All times. All times. See, Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and Jesus was born. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. Just like you, how you're born. You're not born of Adam. Never say you're a sinner saved by grace. I'll tell you why. Because if you say you're a sinner saved by grace, you're still holding on to the identity of being a sinner. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint saved by grace. You are righteous saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's, there's no humility in it because there's no truth in it. Humility is justified when there's truth in what you say. When Jesus said, I am greater than Solomon. That was humility because there's truth in what he's saying. Humility is not just putting yourself down. Humility is justifying what the truth is. So you're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're righteous, saved by grace. 
How difficult is that? Oh, very difficult. But can I tell you, unless you don't have the revelation that you are a saint, you are righteous, you know, all of this will not make sense because that is the ABCD of the new covenant. We think, oh, you know, I'll teach all of this, all of this, all of this, and then ultimately get to the revelation that you are saved. Can I tell you, you have already arrived. That's your starting place. That's your foundation. That's your foundation that you are a saint, that you are righteous. Oh, but, but pastor, I do not pray. Exactly. That's why. That's why you need this revelation. See, I'm saying, what's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant if in the new covenant we somehow have to strive towards becoming holy? What is the significance of Jesus dying on the cross that even in the new covenant, just like how people in the old covenant, they strived, performed to become holy. If you and me have to do that, what is the significance of the new covenant? The blood of Jesus has arrived you, has launched you from that place where the Old Testament saints were striving to arrive. That has become your starting place. Not one day when I finally go to heaven, when I see the pearly gates and yeah, wait for it. You have arrived. Do you know that more than 700 verses in the New Testament that already says you have got it. You already have it. It's not you're going to have it. You already have it. But interestingly, interestingly, we still want to arrive. Lord, make me holy. Four hours of prayers or holiness. Trying to, trying to justify to yourself how good and how righteous you are. Lord, I prayed four hours. Wow, now I'm so tired. Six hours of Netflix. <laughs> it justifies me. You're already there. You have been made holy and righteous because of what Jesus has done, not because of your works. You're saved by grace through faith, not of your works, lest you should boast. You are saved by grace irrespective of your works. And now Jesus says, because you have, been, you have been made worthy, walk according to your calling. A prince cannot walk like a prince if he is not a prince. It's unfair. It's unfair to pick a common person and say, walk like a prince. It's not in his identity. A, a dog cannot walk like a lion. The identity needs to change. You're not, you're not the Adamic being. You are born from heaven. You are a spiritual being, born of the same spirit, born of the same DNA that Christ had. You're not trying to arrive by your prayers and by your reading the Bible and gathering all kinds of knowledge and disagreeing with everybody out there and trying to prove your theology. You're not trying to arrive there. You're already there the day you accepted Jesus. The DNA of Jesus has come upon you. You are born of the imperishable seed, which is the word of God. You have the same DNA. You already have it. Come on, say with me. I already have it. I already have it. 
all is well, all is well. <laughs> you already have it. Okay? So, when you already have it, the spirit of overflow is within you. That means there's a potential, there's a potential within you to overflow and to overwhelm the atmosphere that is there. So, irrespective of what the atmosphere is, irrespective, you have the potential to overflow and change the atmosphere. Oh no, pastor, but you don't know about my family. My parents, you have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't want to know. You have the spirit of overflowing. You can change the atmosphere. Okay, I'm not trying to be insensitive, okay? But I'm just trying to say, you have the spirit of overflowing. There is no excuse that can hold you back. Do you know, what was the first miracle that Jesus did? What was the first miracle? The first miracle he did was at the wedding in Cana, right? And the miracle was he turned water into wine. What a big problem, right? There was a wedding happening and they ran out of wine. And Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, Hey, could you, could you do something? Because the dignity and the prestige of this family is online. So could you do something? If I was a pastor, I'd be like, Is somebody sick? Is somebody dead? I'll raise the dead. He does that miracle to save the dignity of a family. Think about it. The first miracle that Jesus did was not raising somebody from the dead. The first miracle that Jesus did was done in secret to save a dignity, to save the dignity of a family. Do you know how much family means to Jesus? That's the first miracle. You know why? Because if family is taken care of, then everything will be taken care of. The reason, I'll rephrase that. Some of you are still blaming your family and thinking that it is the family that is limiting you from moving into the purposes that God has for you. And it might be true. But can I tell you, you have the overflowing anointing to change the atmosphere of the family. So if they haven't received the gospel and you have received the gospel, think about the responsibility that, is, that you carry because of the power and the anointing that you have within you. So don't just sit back and say, oh, you know, my family is like this. They're always complaining. They're always bickering. So there's an, always an atmosphere of complaint, always an atmosphere of hostility, always an atmosphere of chaos and confusion. You change it. Amen. You fix it. Because you have the spirit of overflow within you. You don't do it by your own strength. You do it because the Holy Spirit is within you. You overflow. You overflow in the Holy Spirit that the atmosphere changes. If you haven't learned that, that means you are still in the... ABCs of the gospel. Don't wait for heaven to change the atmosphere of your family. You know what I'm saying? Don't wait to go to heaven. Maybe in heaven everything will be alright. You have been given the gospel. If you've received the word, you have been given the word so that you can change the atmosphere of the house. If you can learn 
how to change the atmosphere of your of your family of your proximity in where you're living then nothing no atmosphere can be challenging enough no atmosphere amen so where was i spirit of overflow spirit of overflow that is within you you can be anointed with the anointing of overflow to be anointing with the anointing of overflow now see jesus was born of the spirit right but it was when he was 30 years old that he was actually anointed remember jesus goes to john the baptist and says baptize me and jesus gets baptized and the spirit of god comes upon him was he born of the spirit yes but there's another level when the spirit of god comes upon you it's another level when the spirit of god starts overtaking you starts overflowing from within you where everything changes so see these disciples they received the spirit of god because when jesus breathed into them they received the spirit of god within them the indwelling of the spirit they had but on the day of pentecost when the spirit of god came upon them everything changed these illiterate timid people became bold witnesses of the gospel the holy spirit that is upon you can change your personality can change your personality from being insecure to secure can change your personality from being timid to bold can completely change your personality the holy spirit that is overflowing from within you so there are three levels in which the holy spirit engages the spirit with you the spirit in you the spirit upon you spirit with you spirit in you spirit upon you spirit with you when you don't believe in jesus spirit in you when you believe in jesus spirit upon you when the fullness of the holy spirit takes over so the overflowing anointing is when the spirit takes over completely takes over now what is the secret what is the secret of being anointed of being anointed in the anointing of the overflow what is the secret psalms 23 verse 5 you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup runs over so before the overflowing happens you need to be anointed before the anointing happens you need to be fed you need to be fed you need to be submitted to the teaching you need to be submitted to the word see when when jesus you know one day all the disciples came to jesus after a long day of ministry and jesus saw them and he knew that they were tired because throughout the day they were praying for sick people preaching the gospel so jesus said let's let's go to another place where there's quiet let's go to that place because i know you're tired and as jesus and his disciples they go to another place a crowd comes they're tired the whole day they've been ministering they're completely try- tired jesus looks at them and has compassion on them now the interesting thing is when jesus had compassion he doesn't start going praying for them oh let me pray let me pray let me pray let me pray what's your what's your need let me pray he doesn't pray for them what does he do he starts teaching them teaching is more important 
than Jesus praying for you. Because when Jesus prays for you, you can get delivered from that problem. But what happens when you get into another problem? It's the teaching of the word that can sustain you and can move you from overcoming one problem after the other. So when Jesus has compassion on you, you're like, oh God, just change my circumstances. And he has compassion on you. So he sends somebody to share the word with you. But you're like, oh Lord, change the circumstances. You're waiting for the circumstances to change. But how will the circumstance change when you receive the word? When you receive the teaching? So the precursor to be anointed is to be submitted to the word. Submitted to the word. In Acts chapter 10, you know, Peter talks about how Jesus, before he was anointed, he, he heard John the Baptist and John the Baptist was preaching. Do you know John the Baptist was not just baptizing people? He was preaching, he was teaching. There's a teaching that John the Baptist was doing. And Jesus was listening to his teaching. So just imagine with me, in the context that we're living right now, John the Baptist had a church. And he was teaching every day or every Sunday. And Jesus was right there, submitted to the teaching. God incarnate who became flesh, submitted to a person from an inferior covenant. And he submitted to his teaching and he's listening to his teaching. So much to a point that Jesus comes to John the Baptist and says, baptize me. The secret to anointing is humility and submission. Humility and submission to what? Humility and submission to the word. Humility and submission to the word. So don't just think that you're coming here on a Sunday and you're just listening to something and you're just going back. Because if you stay here, be submitted to the word, be submitted to the teaching, your anointing, there's, there's an overflow of anointing that is within you. See, look, look at the posture. Can I have somebody? Jeremy. Okay. Just for the time being, just imagine Jeremy is Jesus, okay? And I'm John the Baptist. You have to look at me. Okay. So when Jesus gets baptized, what happens? He needs to go down, right? So go down. How much can you go? Okay. See, when he goes down, who is greater? John the Baptist. Who is lesser? Jesus went down, humbled himself in front of an imperfect man, in front of a prophet who represents an inferior covenant. Jesus humbled himself and see how the anointing flows. The anointing overflows from top to bottom. Okay? It is the humility and submission to the word that lets you grow in more anointing. It's not the puffing up of the mind. This, this week I read 10 verses and I know all of those 10 verses. It's not just that. It's the humility and being submitted to the word. That's why when you face enemies, the first thing that God does is not anoint you. The first thing that God does is he prepares a table before you. Eat. Don't get distracted. Eat. 
eat. Eat from God's word. Because if you can stop being distracted by how the enemy is and how powerful the enemy is and how treacherous and how cruel, if you can get distracted from that and you, if you can focus on the food that God has laid for you or in his word as you eat, the anointing overflows. Let me show you a verse. John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 31. John chapter 8 verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So Jesus is saying, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. But look at whom is Jesus talking to. He's talking to Jews who believed in him. Okay? Now, if you read John chapter 5, verse 38, he says, same Jesus, he says, And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. What is Jesus trying to say? If you don't believe in me, that's because the word is not abiding in you. But then to the same believing Jews, he says, if you abide in me, you can become my disciples. Meaning, what is the key of becoming a disciple from being a believer? Or what is the key of becoming a believer from being a non-believer is abiding in the word. Like there are levels to abiding in the word that God can change your level. See, it's like when you when you go to a beach, you know, you can, I don't like the beach, you know, because I feel like I, need, I always need to take a shower. So I'm a hypocrite when I say this, okay. Uh, when you go to the beach, you can either wet your toes and be like, oh, I was in the beach. Or you could go a little further, get your ankles wet, or you could go a little more further, get your entire self submerged in that. I don't know how you do it because the water is salty and I've seen all kinds of things. But in all of these different levels of how much you're submerged in the water, you're still in the beach. So there are levels to which you can abide in the word and you're still abiding. So you can move from one level of anointing to another level of overflowing is through by more abiding in the word. So people who do not abide in the word at all are non-believers. And then people who begin to abide because they heard the gospel and they began to abide, they became believers. And then you can abide more so that you can become disciples. And what's a disciple? Oh, somebody who can be exactly like the one who is teaching you. So you can become a disciple of Jesus if you abide in his word so much that everything that you have is submerged in that word. Not just your mind, not just your heart, not just your reasoning, not just your logical senses, but everything, your entire body, your entire being has been submerged in the teaching of that word. Then the next verse says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's not just a one-time thing. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a progressive staying there in humility and submission to the word that you move from being who you are, moving from one glory to another. 
So there's constant learning. Did you know that the blessing that you are praying for is seeking for you? Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me in my finances, bless me in my promotion, bless me in my education, bless me, bless me, bless my uncle, bless my tata, bless me. Bless. But do you know all of those blessings that you are praying for is looking for you? They're not hiding. Oh, he prayed for blessing, let me hide. They are looking for you, but they can't find you. They can't find you because they are looking for an upgraded version that can handle that blessing. So when you stay in the word, the word upgrades you and the blessing that you were praying for, you were waiting for just comes to you. That's why Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You are not meant to follow them. So as you stay on the word, the word changes you, the word uplifts you, the word upgrades you into a new version of who you are. And that new version adds upon the blessing of the Lord. You don't have to pray for blessing another day. You don't have to pray for blessing anymore. Because the blessings are meant to follow you. They are waiting on you. What you need to pray for is, God, how do I grow in abiding in your word? How do I grow? How do I grow? Because if you can grow, the blessings will follow. So Jesus said to them, Abide, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Meaning there are some disciples who are not true disciples. But if you abide in my word, if you stay in my word, you will become truly my disciples. What's the definition of a disciple? One who can, who is exactly like the teacher. One who is exactly like the rabbi. You can exactly become like Jesus by just staying and abiding in the word. It's not by prayer. It's by staying in the word. But you need the prayer to build an, build an adequate atmosphere for the word to grow. That's why prayer and word goes together. To build you. To build you. But the very foundation of this journey is knowing that Knowing that whatever level that you're starting on, the glory level that you're starting on, how much you mess up, you're still going to be accepted, still going to be loved by God. That's God's grace for you. You have to know because that's the very foundation. From that foundation, when you stay in the word, you abide in the word, you keep his word. Let me show you a couple of verses. Uh, John 15 verse 10. John 15 verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. If you abide in God's word, you will abide in his love. Oh, oh pastor, I don't feel the love of God. Yeah, what have you been listening to? Have you been abiding in God's word? It's as simple as that. If you abide in what God speaks, you will abide in his love. In 1 Samuel 3 verse 20, you know, the word says, And the Lord appeared to them through the word of the Lord. 
it is when you hear God's word, you experience God. Oh, we were waiting for that one night, you know, when Jesus steps into my room because, you know, people have shared testimonies on YouTube and you've seen visions. That's amazing. Great stuff. If that happens, amazing. But can I tell you, you can encounter Jesus every day, every moment, whenever you want through the word. Because Jesus is in his word. He is revealed in his word. Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. Open up your Bible and see him. Amen. Abide in my word and you will truly be my disciples. Abide in my word. Can I show you one more thing? John chapter 14. Same thing. Okay. 14 verse 23 to 24. John 14. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make a home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Look at what Jesus is saying. If you love me, you keep my word. And when you keep my word, the father and I will come to you and will make our home with you. Now, if you read the beginning of these verses, it says, about, it says Jesus tells his disciples, you know, I'm going. I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. There are many mansions and I'll prepare a place for you. And we're all thinking, listen to me, hear me right. We're all thinking that Jesus is talking about taking you to heaven. Same chapter, beginning verses, we all think Jesus is talking about he needs to build mansions for you in heaven. As if that's the only work that he has now. What is Jesus doing? He's building mansion for 3BHK, for Ashish Chedian. See, you have to understand what he was talking about. From In that same progression, as, as we come down in verse 23, he says, If you abide in my word, my father and me, we will come to you and make our home with you. So what is it? Is he taking us there or is he coming? What is it? Jesus, make up your mind. Say one thing. Are you taking us all there to where the father is? Or are you and the father coming? What is, what is he talking about? He is not talking about a home which is a spatial home. He is talking about a home where you and him are united. It's like when I got married to Betty, I did not get married to her because she was going to give me a house. Okay? I went to her, she came to me, and we both came together to build a home. And that home is not in Chhatrapur, it's not in New Ashoknagar, it's not in Kerala. That home is wherever we are. Wherever we are together, that becomes your home. Heaven is not your home, earth is not your home. Wherever you and the Father are, that is where your home is. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you abide in my word, we will come to you and make our home with you. So it's not really about going to heaven. It's not really about staying here. It's really about being with Jesus. We're all waiting one day. Man, I'll be with Jesus one day. Dude, you can be with Jesus today. Stay in the word. Stay in the gospel. 
Not one day, not one day your life is going to change. Today your life can change. Today, because everything heaven has is because of Jesus and that Jesus is with you, in you, for you. Hallelujah. John 8, 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Wow. That's, that's an even more difficult verse to make sense of. What is he saying? When you keep God's word and he makes a home with you, you cannot experience death in the one whom we call life. You have to completely change your perspective or how you see reality from the physical world to the reality that is there in God's word. Because God's word is more real than what you see and sense through your five senses. Anyone who abides in my word, they will not see death. That's Jesus, not me, guys. Because life is not just having a job five to six, Monday to Friday, getting money, spending something on clothes. That's not life. Say with me, life is living with the Father. And that doesn't matter if you're here or not, or you're in the US or you're in heaven. That doesn't matter. Life is living with the Father. And that can happen right now. Right now. The moment you believe in Jesus, you have the full potential for the Holy Spirit to come and take over your entire being. You can tap into that anointing of overflow, but it depends on how much, at what level, you want to stay in the Word. You can be... You can, you can just go ankle deep in the word and that's fine. Or you can be completely submerged in the word. Where you're not holding on to the word, the word holds you. Oh, pastor, I'm holding on to the word. Don't, that's the problem maybe. The word should hold you. Amen? Are you loving this? Let me show you another verse. John 15 verse 7 to 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What's the condition? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. That means how does Jesus abide in us when his words abide in us? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Do you know that more than you wanting to bear fruits, God wants you to bear fruits. It is God's desire that you're fruitful. It's God's desire that you, you are blessed. It's God's desire that you live a prosperous, healthy, blessed life. It's God's desire. But it all begins with you abiding in God's word. You abiding in God's word. Amen? What's the meaning of abide? Abide. Abiding in God's word is not just obeying God's word. Please understand that. Obeying God's word is the fruit of abiding. Obedience to God's word has to be automatic. Like you took a seed, an apple seed, and you put it in the ground. Right? You're not doing anything other than watering. You're not doing anything 
with that plant to make it bear fruit. The plant, the seed has the potential to become a plant and the plant has the potential to become a tree bearing fruits. The seed has the potential. So when you abide in the word, the word in you has the potential to do the word for which it was assigned for. If you're struggling with holiness, you need to stay on the word of holiness so that the word will bear fruits of holiness. But if you try to just be holy by, you know, cutting off all the things and, you know, like, you know, whatever, whatever you can think of in the natural, you're just dealing with the symptoms. You're not dealing with the root issue. The word deals with from the root and it will bear fruit. So, Abiding does not really mean doing. Abiding really means abide. So that the word has a potential to do the word. The word will do the word. But abiding is staying with the word. Staying in proximity to the word. Observing the word. Keeping the word close. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. If you hold on to the word, the word will hold on to you. There's a point where you can be so submitted, so humble. You can be so submitted to the word that you're so submerged by the word that the word will carry you. The word will take you. There's a life for each and every one of us that we can move into the anointing of the overflow. And God wants that for each and every one of us. That's why if you begin to see this year, the moment we release the word, the word of overflow, the first things that we encountered were giants. Did you encounter giants in your family? Did you encounter giants in your personal life? Did you encounter giants in your workplaces? That is because that is where the, where the giants that you encounter, that is exactly where you're going to experience overflow. Okay, so if you face giants in health, man, there's an overflow of health. If you face giants in relationships, there's an overflow of relationships. Amen? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with wine. Anointing only happens after you have feasted. I love fasting, but this is the time for feasting. Feasting. Even when we fast, we are fasting from the natural food so that we can feast on the spiritual reality of God. Amen? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It is not when you are comfortable. It's not when you find it the most convenient that God prepares a table. He prepares the table in the most dire situations of your life. When you're really struggling, when there are giants coming to take your life, is trying to threaten your life, your dignity, your honor, your family, that is when God prepares a table before you in the presence of his enemies. Amen? You know, three ways to tackle an enemy. I shared this last night. Three ways to tackle an enemy is... Laugh, eat, sleep. Let me explain what that means. Laugh because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Eat 
for the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Sleep because the peace of God rules in your heart. When the storm hit, Jesus was sleeping. You can also sleep when the storm comes. Laugh, eat, sleep. Do you know, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. For every, every attack that the enemy does against you, the Holy Spirit responds with three resources. It's always one is to three. So there's more in your side than more that is coming against you. When the devil attacks you with all of those kind of things, it's the Holy Spirit that can protect you with one is to three. You have much more within you than what the, what the devil is attacking you with. See, if you think about when the devil attacks you with fear, the Holy Spirit protects you with the spirit of love, the spirit of power, the spirit of sound mind. Spirit of power comes from joy. Joy. It's endurance and joy. Endurance and joy. Power comes from joy. Love comes from the word. As you stay in God's word, abide in my word. Abide in my word and you will know that you are loved. Abide in my word. It's not that only when you start reading the Bible that God begins to be like, oh, he's reading the Bible, let me love him now. No, God is always loving him. But you need to be in that place to feel loved. You need to be correctly positioned so that you can feel the love of God. So when you abide in God's word, when you feast on God's word, you experience the spirit of love. And when you stay in God's peace, let him rule your hearts. You experience the spirit of sound mind. Sound mind. Amen. Are you guys blessed? Come on, let's just, if you could just stand up with me. And just take a moment to respond to the word of God. Whatever the Holy Spirit has highlighted in the past couple of minutes, just take, take a moment just to abide in that word. Just to abide in that word. And know for sure that God has so much more. Has so much more for you. He has so much more for you, for your life. Even if you, have, you haven't understood anything, but there's one thing that stuck out. And it might seem insignificant. Can I tell you that one thing is enough for you, for your life to be changed? Because it is the word of God that can change your life. So just take a moment and just respond to his word. Just take a moment, just respond to his word. Come on, in your own words. Jesus is not just a concept. He is here. He is present. He is personal. He is a person and he is here right now in this room. So if you open your mouths, you're opening your heart to him. And say thank you Jesus for your word. Respond to his word. Come on, guys. Don't say silent. Respond to his word. You speak to your loved one by responding. You speak to your loved one by expressing. Come on. Come on. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Come on. Feasting comes before anointing. Anointing comes before overflow. Feasting. Feast on God's word. 
He has prepared a table before you. In the season of life that you're in, whatever giants and circumstances that you're facing, there is a table before you. There's a table prepared for you. God has prepared a table for you. So feed on His table. Feed from His Word. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will keep you. Father, I pray. I pray for a revelation. Revelation that will change their paradigm of thinking. That it is not them holding on to you, but it is you holding on to them. Because your word says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You chose us. You chose us. We are not holding on to you. You are holding on to us. And because you are holding on to us, there's absolute, complete guarantee that our lives will not go, go in vain. We have absolute guarantee that our lives will move forward, moving from one degree of glory into another. Because you are holding on to us. 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 Lord, lead us by your Spirit. Lead us by your Spirit. Not to stay content in whatever we know. Not to stay content wherever we are. But to be humble. To be submitted to your Word. So that we move from one glory of glory into another. Oh, for we are set right. For we are set right by the righteousness of God. We are set right by the righteousness of God. I just want to take this moment and declare that there is peace within your family. There's peace within your family. The peace that is within you can overflow can overflow to keep the family peaceful. There's peace within your family. There's nothing, there's no external forces that can affect the peace because Jesus said, peace I have given you. Not the peace of the world, but the peace that I have, I have given you. The peace of Jesus overflows within your family. I hear a lot of people who are broken because of the conflict that is happening in their families. And I want to declare this over your life. Peace, be still. Be still and know that He is God. Be still. Be still. His Word that holds the entire universe, His Word can hold your family together. His Word can hold your family together. There's peace within your family. Peace. We declare complete peace. Complete peace. Yes. I also declare strength over every weakness. Weakness of the mind, weakness of the heart, weakness of weakness of the body, weakness, weakness that has been there for many people. For, for a long time because of repeated habitual abuse, weakness I speak the strength of God to perfect in your weakness strength of God may His grace, His grace is enough for you His grace is enough for you for His strength is perfected in your weakness oh yes Father thank you Lord for leading us 
leading us to the place of overflow leading us for you have crowned us you have crowned the year with your goodness and it overflows in abundance you have crowned this year 2023 with your goodness and it overflows in abundance it drips in abundance everything that is dripping is dripping in abundance for the anointing the overflowing anointing is upon your life you have been crowned with the goodness of jesus and it is dripping in abundance it is not dripping in anger anxiety stress and fear it is dripping in the abundance of god's goodness it is dripping in the abundance of god's peace over your life it is dripping in the abundance of god's joy of your life it is dripping in the abundance of god's righteousness of your life the kingdom of god is righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit and it is within you oh whoever believes in me streams of living water shall flow streams of living water shall overflow you are overflowing with the reality of the kingdom you're overflowing with the reality of his joy you're overflowing with the reality of his righteousness and his peace you are overflowing you're overflowing you're overflowing you're overflowing you're overflowing you're overflowing yes you're overflowing you're overflowing you're overflowing come on change your picture it's not coming from heaven it's coming from within you because the king of heaven is within you so it is coming from within you it is overflowing from within you it's not flowing from heaven to earth it is flowing from within your spirit to your soul and to your body the holy spirit that is upon you is an overflowing spirit that is already within you it is overflowing from within you streams of living waters not just one stream streams of living waters there are multiple streams of living waters that will flow through you that will flow through you streams of peace streams of righteousness streams of love streams of compassion streams of grace streams of prosperity streams of god's blessing oh let it overflow let it overflow let it overflow oh yes and you will go out into all the ends of the world and make disciples of all nations make disciples of all nations this overflowing anointing is within you not for you to just live a blessed life but it is to disciple nations the anointing is to disciple nations it is to disciple nations the job that you have the family that you are in is not a coincidence it is god has god has intricately designed and placed you there so that you can disciple nations you can disciple nations it will begin with your family it will begin with the home that you're living in it will begin with begin with the city that you are in but it is to go out and to disciple nations it is to go out and disciple nations oh you are going to grow big you're going to grow great for the spirit of overflow is within you disciple nations disciple nations i see god sending people out so that you can disciple nations the anointing of the overflow is within you to disciple nations thank you lord thank you lord for your word thank you for your word thank you lord that you are holding us together It's a word that is holding us together. Not by power, not by might, 
but by your spirit, says the Lord. For nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. And we believe that your Holy Spirit will lead us and will conform everything that is within us to be submerged in the reality of the world. To be completely drenched in the reality of the world. To be set apart by your word. To be set apart by the reality that comes from your word. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.